Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a lady in red. In act two of my career and living my best life, my perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me Karen Cornish, who is in advertising sales at Kingston Finest Marketing Group. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to share with our audience your story. You are also in an encore career and you have had a colorful and twisty turny past as well, like most of us. I have. And we've made a great connection socially and professionally over the last couple of years. So I'm glad to say that you are in my circle. Thank you. Thank you for that. If we can start, let's go back to who Karen is. So tell us a little bit about where you were born and raised, what your childhood was like, any highlights or lowlights that you might be willing to share, and then we'll take a breath for a second and see how what we've unpacked there, okay. and then move into your building years. So tell us about the formative years for Karen. So I was raised on a dairy farm about halfway between uh, Gananoque and Kingston. I am the youngest of six children. Oh boy. My mom and dad had five children in six years. And then four years later, oh, there's Karen. So okay. there's a little bit of an age spread between the, the oldest and the youngest. And we've all managed to stay very close. Great. Highlights growing up, living on a farm, just being able to run wild and, you know, go outside and play, things like that. I was particularly close with my mother. And so I was the daughter who, I didn't go to the barn so much. I did when I needed to, you know, I did the chores as needed to, but I was more the one in the house helping mom with the baking and the cooking and the this and the that, that type of thing. Right. Um, and I still enjoy all of that. You know, that was my childhood. What year would this have been? So I was born in 1965. Okay. So, so just I'm couple years before me. Yeah. So I'm 57 now and all of our lives took very somewhat different directions. I think mine in particular took a different spin than than some of my siblings. I think you'll find that my story is a little bit different than, than a lot of people that you're talking to on these okay, podcasts. Okay, well, let's jump into it. Now I'm intrigued. Okay, so I know that a lot of the people that you're talking to are, you know, you have their college education and this has happened in this career and that type of stuff. The truth is, and I've carried, you know, I've carried a lot of shame over the years of the fact that I didn't finish high school. I did not finish high school. I was, I would say I had anxiety, depression, probably from the time I was about 15 years old. Okay. But back then we didn't have a clue what it was. We didn't talk about it. We right. didn't, you know, I just remember sitting at night on the bed knowing I had to go to school in the morning and just crying, 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 that type of thing. And it wasn't handled well, but nothing was around mental health in 1979, right. 80 in that time frame. I'm very proud of myself in the fact that starting from very humble beginnings and without a lot of education, I think I've done really well to build the life that I have. Fast forward a couple of years from school and, you know, the rule was you're either going to school or you're working. So I started working when I was like 18 years old. Yeah, I went and a got a job and that was fair. Mm -hmm. And then my husband and I, we started dating 
and I was the ripe old age of 19 when I was married. Same husband today? Same husband today. We just had our 38th anniversary. And it's another interesting bit in that we started to date in July. Found out we were having a little one in February. We're married in April. So very whirlwind. And, you know, I can tell you that for both of us in 1985, when you found out you were having a baby, you did the quote unquote right thing. Yep. And you married that person. Yep. And, you know, I would say that both of our families were very strongly influenced in that way. Like, that's just what you did. That was the expectation. And I would say that, you know what, we loved each other, but I don't know that we were going to be our forever person. Mm. But you know what? We made a decision. Right. And we made a commitment. And so... I had some people on our 38th anniversary kind of make the comment to the fact of, oh, love birds, and you're so lucky, and blah, 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 blah. And no, you know what? It was the decision. It was a commitment. We care deeply for each other. We right. do love each other. Yep. But it's different, you know? Not everybody gets the Cinderella slippers, and that's okay. Yeah. I respect the commitment. I mean, I'm a firm believer that you make a vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, for better or for worse, and you stand before God in the community and you mm-hmm. make a vow, and mm-hmm. I will also keep my vows. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy. It's not easy. It's, it's work. not easy. And there are times, you know, we both probably should have left. Mm-hmm. You know, we probably should have left. But you know what? We had three kids, and our middle daughter has autism. Okay. And so for her, the structure and the necessity to have consistency in her life probably overrode so many of our decisions, whether we were even aware of it or not. Right. Trying to keep things as stable for everybody was just what we had to do. And, you know, she is now 33 years old, and she just celebrated her fifth anniversary of living independently. Wow, Which is a huge, huge milestone. Yes. Huge milestone. We're beyond proud of her. But, you know, what? having a child with a disability changes the structure of the entire family. It changes absolutely everything within a family, within the nucleus family, within all of the other relatives. 33 years ago when Jen was born and 31 years ago when she was diagnosed, not everyone understood what autism is. Today, almost everybody knows somebody. They know a child who is on the spectrum one way or another. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's the neighbor's son. Maybe it's a niece. Maybe it's a nephew. But everybody knows someone today. And 30 plus years ago, that was not the case. Right. So I had to fight for a lot of things for Jennifer. And I'm a classic homebody. I'm very much an introvert, believe it or not. And I am just a homebody. I'm happy. It's my happy space. But when it came to her and getting what she needed, I had to find my voice. Right. And I did. And there were some ruffled feathers, Mm -hmm. but I didn't care because in the end, I had to do what was best for her and get her the most supports that we could. And I think sometimes her siblings, her sisters, there's an older sister and a younger sister. I think there were times when they felt perhaps that they didn't get as much of my attention. And that's fair. That's fair because there was one of me. And my husband's job for a number of years took him away. So a lot of it I was kind of doing on my own. I waitressed at night for the first number of years of our marriage. We were poor church mice. We had one vehicle, so he would go to work in the day. We'd cross paths in the laneway. I'd go to work three, four nights a week. And then, yeah, that was our life. That was our life. So, you know, what? we just worked. We just worked really hard. And then when I was 32... I had used Mary Kay products for a number of years. Okay. Loved them. 
loved them. And one night when I was working, a woman came in and she sold Mary Kay. And she asked me if I would host us a class. And I said, sure. And shortly thereafter, she was pretty persistent. (laughs) um, And she offered me the opportunity to become a consultant. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I think I had always wanted to have my own business. Right. Number one goal in life was to be a mom. Number two was to be a grandmother. And beyond that, I really hadn't, I really wasn't sure. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that I kind of always wanted to have some sort of business of my own. And Mary Kay was a perfect fit. I love skincare. I love the cosmetic part of it. I love that it was women supporting women. I could go on and on and on about how much I loved it. And 26 years later, I'm still a consultant. That's fantastic. I don't do it full time. Right. I don't even really do it part time at this point in time. I'm not even sure I knew you did it. Yeah. So I don't know if that's good or not. Well, um, <laughs> I don't say a lot about it when we're in a networking group, particularly because I know that Barbara Hayes does it as her career. Okay. So you know what? I just kind of backed off on that. I thought that was the right thing to do. There's something in Mary Kay called the go-give spirit, and I really value it. And basically it means that, let's say I run across a customer of Barbara's. Okay. And she desperately needs a this or that or wants a this, and you know, she hasn't heard from Barbara in a while. As a Mary Kay consultant, I have to talk to Barbara first and let her know about that. So we don't take each other's customers. We really honor that, the fact that, you know what, someone else has put time into that customer and invested in that. If there's a real problem, a personality situation, we'll work through that. And that's different. Or, you know, if it's a family member, that type of thing. But by and large, we're very respectful and we're taught right from the beginning that, you know what, there are enough faces out there with skin right. that you don't need to take someone else's customer. That's fantastic. I it respect is. that about the organization I and it. you. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Great. Yeah. So I started my business, you know, wearing many, many hats and very quickly saw that it was what I wanted to do full time, very full time. And I literally jumped in with both feet and did the most training I could do. I absorbed as much as I could. Funny little story, my littlest one who was four when I started. She hadn't gone to school yet. So that was kind of our year of being together when the others had gone and we right. that was our year. But a few mornings a week, I would send her to play groups so that I could do other things. And one day I picked her up and she said to me, mommy, are we doing Mary Kay again today? And do I still have dry skin? <gasps> <laughs> and I literally, that, that came, I, I just laughed because I would literally put her around the table and I would put like a teddy bear and a this and that and I would practice doing skincare classes, right? That's so beautiful. And, and yeah, this little, little girl with these beautiful curls and these ringlets and that's what she said. Mommy, are we doing Mary Kay today? And do I still have dry skin? So I thought, okay, all right. Aww. Maybe need to change some tactics here. <laughs> but so I did, I was a consultant for six years. Then I made the decision to promote myself to a director. Okay. First thing was I was working on National Court of Sales, which is a very, very high sales target within the company. I set my sights on that. And then I wanted a free car. Okay. I wanted a free car. Before I even wanted director, I wanted a free car. So set myself on that path. And then I promoted myself to director after six years of being a consultant. And I remember the night that it really twigged for me. I was at a meeting. And as I said before, I'm not so much of a classroom person. Doesn't mean I'm not intelligent because, you know, I am. But I'm a show me and teach me and then I'll do it myself person. 
And I remember sitting in a training meeting and the person who was my director at the time showed us exactly the difference in the paycheck between a consultant and a director. And as she's writing it down, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm already doing A, B, C, and D, and I'm making this much. So if I just added in E, F, and G, you mean I would make like three times the amount of money, essentially. Right, light right? bulb. Light bulb, mm-hmm. light bulb. And I don't know to this day if she knows the impact she had that night, but I physically saw someone put it there and it was like, now I get it. So that was what made me make the decision. Becoming a director was probably one of the largest, most important accomplishments in my life. I didn't have a senior prom. I didn't have a high school graduation. I didn't have a college graduation. Right. So becoming a director for me was all of those things wrapped into one. And I remember being on a training course shortly before, before I became a director, before it all hit. And the guest speaker, he was someone who's published books and this and that. And I kind of told him my story. He said, what you're doing right now, becoming a director, he said, this is your college education. Beautiful. Yeah, because you're learning finances. You're learning how to work with different people. You're learning business skills. You're learning how to speak with people. You're learning so many things. So I treasure that. I treasure that. I'm always going to be proud of it. And I think think one of the things I'm most proud of in that scenario is there was a woman here in the Kingston area who was becoming a national sales director, Okay. which is a big, big feat. And it requires a lot of new directors to come into her group. And I remember sitting, again, at a training, and I'm thinking, okay, so she's a professor of nursing, and this director is a finance grad, and this one's a this, and and I didn't finish high school. Good for you. You should have been so proud to be in that room. I was. And so once I shared my story with all of these other ladies, it was like I opened a door. It was like I opened a door and let others who perhaps didn't have the education or the self-esteem or the belief in themselves that, you know what, I could never do that because I did it. I gave a lot of women unconsciously permission to do the same thing. And I, it's one of the things I'm the most proud of in my whole life. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is things I'm truly a gift. So moving forward through all of that, six years as a director, had some pretty significant challenges through that. Ten weeks after I became a director, I got meningitis. And I was in the hospital. It was right at the time of SARS. Oh. So that was not fun. That was not the way to start things off. So that was, that was a big setback. But I went to work probably sooner than I should have because it was my unit now. Mm -hmm. It was my baby, Mm -hmm. right? A couple years after that, my mother died quite unexpectedly. And she and I, as I said, were extraordinarily close. So that just threw my world into a spin. As I was trying to maintain my business and trying to help my daughters cope with the loss of their grandmother and trying to somewhere deal with my own feelings and all of that, that was really, really difficult. And then a few years after that, my father's health started to change. And even though there were six kids, and I don't want to say in any way that I did it all because I didn't, because we all shared the care. We all shared the care. I felt a huge responsibility to my father. He and I had not been close growing up. We had not been close as a child or as a teenager. But it was almost like when I became a mom and a young woman, it was almost like we made a silent pact that... That was then, and this is now. Nice. And so it was like we moved forward on our relationship, 
And then after my mom passed away, my father and I became very, very close. And I was the only one of the siblings at that point in time who was self-employed. So I had a little bit more flexibility in my schedule to take him to doctor's appointments yeah. or this or that or the other thing. There were times it was, a, it was a bit of a challenge, but I don't regret a single moment of it. Good. And then, of course, as I said, his health took a turn, and just a few years later, he passed away. And in the midst of that, I just knew that I had no more to give. I had no more to give. I had girls who needed me. I had my dad's situation happening. And so I resigned my directorship during that time. One of the hardest things I've ever done. Still hurts. Yeah. Still hurts. Because it was such a major accomplishment and a major goal for myself. But... There was only so much of me. Yep. And Mary Kay was wonderful about, you know, they, they understood and they, you know, yes, there's quotas and this and that. They gave me, they were wonderfully supportive, but it was still in my own mind. I just didn't have any more to give. I just didn't have any more to give. So you can't pour from an empty bucket. Nope. Nope. And at that point in time, Jennifer was also getting to the point that she was transitioning from high school to who knows what. Right. Right. And that was a big thing to try and figure out as well. Best thing that we ever did was we got involved with community living, and they literally came to the high school the year before that she was going to graduate, and we started making plans for what's life going to look for Jennifer mm-hmm. after high school, and she's still with them to this day. Great. They have been a fantastic resource for our family and our life, and I am actually on the board of directors for community living. Good. Gananoque and Kingston amalgamated, I'm going to say about eight years ago. And at that point in time, I was asked if I would be on the board, sort of as the voice for Gananoque and the, hey, folks, we're over here too. It's not all just Kingston. Um, And so I've taken that role on, and I value that. In going through a lot of what I did with my father, I developed a real keen empathy for seniors. Okay. So I'm also on the board of directors for CPHC Senior Support Services in Brockville. Great. So volunteering is something that's huge to me. It's huge to me. I grew up in a house where you helped in your community. You know, if it was bacon and pie for the church sale, you helped in your community. You know, as my parents got a little bit older and weren't working so hard on the farm, you know, there was a volunteer on the church board or my mom taught 4-H for years. Just all of those kinds of things. And that was very deeply instilled in me. So I've always, when I've had a little bit of extra time, I've always tried to work in some extra volunteer things that's fantastic that I think are important those are both very important causes being autism and seniors absolutely those are absolutely incredibly important yeah I 100% support and want to advocate for both of those and community living is so much more than autism it deals with people of all kinds of intellectual disabilities okay so it doesn't have to be someone with autism there's just so many different situations and we work with families from literally getting kids into preschool situations getting correct diagnosis to senior citizens you know so it really runs a gamut and it's 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 a fantastic organization and they support such a wide variety of people and so so many goals with the goal of independence right and a respected living a respected living and being part of the community right 
that's a lot of passion projects mm-hmm. and a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And you also still have a professional career. I do. So I do. what are you doing today? So five and a half years ago, uh, I was approached by my current boss. And he actually owns the Brockville, the Kingston, and the Quinty legs of Brockville Finest Magazines. Yep. And he was kind of running himself thin. And he knew my background in sales. So he reached out to me and asked me if I would essentially be the lead person in the Brockville edition. Timing in my life was right. And I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Didn't know a thing about advertising, but I knew sales. Right. And so, again, very quick, you know, baptism by fire. Here you go, like three times throughout in the field. And, okay, there you go. But you know what I learned, as the 4-H motto, learn to do by doing, right? Right. And so I've been doing that for five and a half years. First couple of years definitely were a learning curve. Definitely were a learning curve. And my my entire attention was on the Brockville area. And then we had this little thing called a pandemic. Mm -hmm, I heard. Mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) And um, advertising for small businesses during a pandemic was not exactly a skate in the park. Right. Right. So I had to relearn so much because I'm old school. And I go out and I walk into a business and I shake someone's hand and I tell them this is who I am and this is what I do. And tell me a little bit about you. And that's how I've built my businesses. Right. All of them. And uh, I just still think there is so much to be said about going out and talking to people in person. But then when the pandemic hit, I couldn't. Right. I, like, I literally couldn't. So I had to figure out a lot more about online, how to get in touch with people, how to, you know, how to find businesses that were still advertising, how to do all of that. I now have customers, I can tell you, that I have never laid eyes on them. Right. But you know what? We've been working together for a couple of years now. So that was a really large learning curve, you mm-hmm. know, of everyone says that pivot word. Well, that was my pivot. Yeah. And so I had to develop a lot of new skills that way. And so then, of course, we're coming out of the pandemic and we're going back to being able to talk to people in person again. Yes. It's so wonderful. it is wonderful. It's been a little bit of a challenge because the homebody in me that got very used to being home and doing stuff. Some days I literally got to kick my butt mm-hmm. to get out the door, get cute and go and talk to people because it would really be easier just to send an email or a text. But you know what? It's not the same. Oh, I it's not 100 percent agree with it's you. It's not. We all got lulled into a safe cocoon in our homes. And in the beginning, for one, we were all afraid to go back outside because it could be dangerous. There could be a deadly disease out Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And even after that, I'm going to say dissipated lightly because I know it's still in existence. Yes. However, the imminent risk isn't there as gravely anymore. Right. We kind of forgot how to people. Absolutely. I've heard another friend of ours say we forgot how to people several times and she's right and Mm -hmm. we're all kind of out of practice and you did have to remind yourself that you should go outside and you should see people in person Mm -hmm. and you should have a coffee with them and you weren't going to die if you met someone but it did take some readjustment and I know even myself I'm pretty people oriented and pretty extroverted but I felt like I was in this safe cocoon so I could just stay here like Mm -hmm. you said and send Mm -hmm. emails and text messages and Zoom with people, which I never want to Zoom again, but I will (laughs) because it's in my toolkit. I 100% agree with all that. What does future Karen look like? A couple things, your thoughts for where you are in five or 10 years. I can't recall if you're a grandmother yet or not. I know we all would like to be. Where are you at? So again, this is a little bit different. So I have, okay, let me backtrack. So after my father died, the first Christmas was just miserable. 
It was miserable yeah. having no parents. So I said to my husband, I said, you know what? I really don't even want to be here at Christmas okay. next year. I said, let's take the family and just go away. Let's just go away. Now, we didn't make it for Christmas Day. It was one of the years of an ice storm. It was it was interesting. So we left. So just the five of us, uh, my husband and I and our three girls. And lo and behold, there was this very handsome young man there with his family who lived in Georgia. And my oldest daughter and he laid eyes on each other. And that was about that. <laughs> and so very, very whirlwind. Three weeks after we got back to Canada, he made a trip to see her here. A few weeks later, she made a trip there. Within 12 weeks, she moved to Georgia. Oh, boy. And then they announced they were getting married. And they were having a baby, like all within a few months of okay. meeting each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my vision, and I had this vision my whole life, Sherry, was that I was going to have my family. We were going to work hard. And then, like my mother, I was going to just slide into the role of grandma. And I was going to have my grandchildren stop in after school and come for Sunday supper and all of those things. Yeah. And now they're a 1,000 miles away. Ouch. So it has been such a challenging thing to navigate and I'm still navigating it thank God for FaceTime yes thank God for all of that but in no way does it replace the time together right and again through a pandemic the border was closed right I was 600 days without seeing in person my kids and my grandchildren oh boy so that's a lot and then in that midst my youngest daughter also decided that she was going to marry a fellow from the states <sighs> American so men. my whole, <laughs> my whole of where I would be at this point in my life isn't what it was. Right. So there's still a lot of moving pieces for me. And my husband decided, my, Brian had had a very successful career in a number of roles. But merger, after takeover, after buyout, he'd had enough. And so in his mid-50s, he made the decision to completely switch careers about 20 years before a local insurance broker had asked him if he would like to join the company at that point we just financially couldn't do it because the first couple of years are pretty lean well 100% commission jobs are 100%. rough yep. speaking from experience yes yes and so he made the transition to complete career change at mid 50s we're dealing with kids who aren't here that we thought were going to be here grandchildren who aren't here that we thought were going to be here financially having to change a lot of things because really for the first couple of years you know we lived on our savings right and all of that so financially you know we're getting there but we're certainly not there like I know that I have to keep working he oh. knows he has to keep working we have to keep working for two right? lifetimes right? we like to spend we, money we, like we joke we're on <laughs> we're on the freedom 95 plan you know? I'm right beside you <laughs> freedom 95 you know people oh can you retire Nope, nope. Mm -hmm. So very, very still figuring it out. Okay. Figuring it out and just as a woman trying to figure it out, figuring out, you know, because these pieces didn't necessarily fall into place, that's changed my views on how this thing's going to happen and that thing's going to happen. And so I think I want people out there, women out there to know that it's okay not to know. Right. And you know what? Just continue to do your best and do your best. Don't compare yourself to others. It's such a killer. It's such a killer. You know, and every morning I just say, God, help me to do my best today. Right. My best. Not anyone else's best. Not what anyone else considers to be the best, but my best. And I'm learning grace. 
I'm learning a little bit about grace and the half to this and a half to that and I should this and I should that. And as much as I volunteer and if I ever retire, I will do more volunteering. But I've also been asked, you know, a number of times, oh, you do this, you do that. Would you like to? I'm getting much better about saying no. You know, anxiety hit me terribly after menopause. Okay. Like major, major life changing. Okay. And I do find that overwhelm happens quite easily. So I'm learning to say no and not feel guilty about it. And just to know that that's okay to have my boundary. And I want to do what I do well. And I don't want to take on more than I can because I don't want to water down things. And I don't want to feel like I'm not as effective as I could be doing the things that are important to me. That's beautiful. And such wise words. I will remind myself, actually, and I'll remind all of our listeners. I love that you said, do my best. So just mine. I don't have to run anybody else's race. I don't have to accomplish anybody else's goals. I have to accomplish mine. And I love that. So we'll probably just leave it there. Thank you so much for sharing so sincerely your story and your journey with us. It is beautiful. And I can see this beautiful strength in you. Thank you. And you do look cute today. You said you you got up and you you. went out and you looked cute. So I appreciate that. (laughs) To our listeners, I always appreciate you listening along to the stories that we're profiling. If you like this, please subscribe. Hit the like button or share this with someone else you think who might be interested and have a great day thank you so much